ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Jones. Trying to think if I got anything that was like particularly eventful that happened this week that I share with you. Oh, I feel like I did a good deed this week. Let me tell you what I did, man. So uh, I don't do too much of this because you have a line out the door. But somebody hit me up and said that uh, they were going to be in Miami. She was coming. It was she and her husband, she's coming with a 15-year-old son, and they just wanted to come and say hello, meet me, whatever. And they just want, you know, some was interested in, like, doing a podcast or something like that. And so I was like, cool, I'll go ahead and do that. Um, and I had forgotten about it, but they hit me up before they came to town. And I said, cool. And so I came down. They came through, sat with them for about 15 minutes or so. Good conversation. Everything was cool. Um and they said they had just gone down to Atlanta and they seen my alma mater. I said, cool. So I just talked to them for a little bit. And I was like, only thing is, man, whatever you do, don't go to Morehouse. And that, that was that was the moral of the story as far as I was concerned. Whatever you do, don't go to Morehouse. And they were like, but that that's 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 the school that we were thinking of. I was like, nah, 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 it ain't going to be that. Don't go to Morehouse. I gave some reasons why I didn't think he should go to Morehouse. But I was like, nah, don't go to Morehouse. I got back here. And um, the woman hit me up again. I sent an email address. The young man wanted to major in sports medicine. Thinking about being a doctor, I sent him an email address for the gentleman that ran a scholarship program that I was in when I first got to Clark when I was a, a science major. And y'all out here talking about this, hey, 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 man, please, I'm out here recruiting bright students to go to my alma mater. It's about hate. Ain't no hate. I'm out here doing my job for my alma mater. You know what I'm out here doing? I'm giving back. That's what I'm doing. I'm giving back. And so, look, this is the bottom line, and you got to be real about this part, right? Morehouse absolutely has better branding than my alma mater, Clark Atlanta University. There's no question about it, right? They absolutely have better branding. But see, with having the better branding, what you wind up with is people get caught up in the idea of Morehouse because they heard of Morehouse, and they know if they go tell somebody they go into Morehouse, they'll wind up being impressed. Like, that's where you got to give Morehouse credit no matter what. You come out and you say you went to Morehouse, people look at you like one way. You say you went to Clark, people don't quite look at you the same. Like that Morehouse name carries more weight, right? There's no level of denying that. Ain't no point in it. Ain't no shame in the fact that that's the truth, right? But since that's the reason, I know I hear a dude talk about, yeah, Morehouse. I'm like, y'all don't even know if you know what Morehouse talk about. You just know that Morehouse is something that you feel like you should say that you aspire to, right? So I'm about to put you on to this real so you stop being a hype beast. That's bottom line, man. Like, this is one thing I say. I did, um, they honored me last year at the alma mater, the Spirit of Greatness Gala, and they had me sit uh, with a videographer to do a video. And so I did my video. And one thing I said about Clark is, and this is the real, right? No matter what you think about the school, if you went to, if you go into Clark, it's because you wanted to go to Clark, right? Now, granted, we do have a significant number of people who did not get into Morehouse and Spelman that go to Clark. But like you go to Clark, you stick it through. That's because that was what you wanted to do. There ain't nobody that's necessarily impressed by the fact that you said you went to Clark Atlanta University. But if you got a love for this institution, it's because it's the institution you love, right? Now, granted, there's a degree of backhanded compliment involved there. Um, I'm not going to pretend, right? Like there's certainly some backhanded element. But the real is, man, we proud of going to Clark, not because of what you think of it, but we proud of going to Clark because of what we think of it, you know? There's a certain nobility to that. We proud of that because of what we think of it. And so, yeah, that's what I think of it. And I hear somebody out here being a hype beast. I think the young man got some potential. I'm going to try to save that young man's life. I'm going to try to do something better for him. Y'all out here talking about hating. Ain't nobody going to be hating. I'm doing my part. Right? 
And many years down the line, after that young man goes to Clark Atlanta University, because I'm probably going to stay on him about this, many years later, after he goes to Clark Atlanta University, he's going to be like, man, I'm so glad I met Bomani. Think about what a horrible decision I could have made. I could have been one of them suckers over there. And one thing I always like to say in moments like these, Morehouse dudes like to stunt their Morehouseness in moments like these and start trying to like floss some money or something like that and talk about what jobs they got and everything else. And I'm like, yo, bless your heart. Stunt your job. You wish you had mine. Never forget that. And I went to Clark. Anyway, let us move on uh, to your question. Haven't had a chance to watch Dave's special yet, but when are folks going to learn to take the jokes instead of hitting us with the thank pieces? So Dave Chappelle has put out these specials on the Netflix. I have only seen the first one. I did not see the second one. I also have to admit that I watched after uh, a long day at work, so I did some dozing in and out at points, and it just so happens that coincidentally, I managed to doze out at the parts that seemed to have really offended people. Um, apparently, there were jokes about transsexuals. I heard when he first started talking about Bruce Jenner beating Africans running, and then everything after that about the transgender stuff, I missed. So I have no idea what exactly it is that people are offended by. I heard some of it was stuff with the Asians, like when he talked about the Philippines and Manny Pacquiao. I heard that um, in his whole thing, but we dropped the data bomb on Jet Pan, and they've been on some Hello Kitty shit ever since. I saw that. Um, but I don't think I really saw anything after that that just had me like, on the super cringe. Like, at least not on those things. I just, I point out that I did not see them because I think my observation that I have to make about the special and like Dave's brand of comedy is like independent of one of that one specific example now i do think that what's happened with a lot of people is they become a lot more aware of some issues right in the last few years and i think that there are people who are much more resistant now to consuming what they consider to be negative or destructive images right so i think that we have that at play and when people then recognize these images that they find to be destructive they immediately want to say hey we got to stop this because i think that there's a legitimate concern for like the macro level on those points like there's a real concern on the macro level for the way the transgender people are treated and talked about there's a concern on the macro level for the way the asians are treated and talked about and so forth and so on so i get that um the question of course that comes up is like how much of that do you bring to a comedy show right how much of that do you bring to a comedy show um, and I don't have a great answer for that. I do, however, believe that you are fully capable of acknowledging that something is like messed up while also acknowledging that it is funny because the comedian, man, you entrust him to be funny. Like that's it. You prefer it if he's smart and funny, but funny is generally what you're looking for. And I do kind of feel like in the comedy club, like, Funny is pretty much it. There are going to be some things that you're like, ooh, I don't know about that. But I do feel like that's just kind of part of the bargain um, in that environment, and you kind of just take it and keep it rolling. So I don't know necessarily how I feel about the idea of people taking a couple of jokes that they were offended by um, in a comedy routine and then, like, going to town with it. At the same time, I also don't feel it is my right to legislate 
what exactly someone should be offended by. Like, I understand being offended by some of the jokes as they've been described to me. Like, I get that. Then what? And I'm just talking about this right here. Like, a comedy show ain't changing the world. Like, I get the idea we don't want to, like, take in these certain negative images because at some point those images become you, right? Like, at some point, you, like, you take them in enough and you become desensitized to them enough, then we wind up with a problem. The thing is about the jokes in the comedy routine is absolutely not to desensitize you. It is to hit you, in fact, where you are sensitive. That is a lot of times the point of it. Because I don't like, I personally don't think I'm necessarily here for totally non-offensive comedy, right? Now, I am a black man. So there's like certainly comedy that white people can do about black people that I will find offensive. The problem with white people's offensive comedy about black people is that it is very rarely smart. And for what people were saying to me about the trans stuff in this routine from Dave, it also was not particularly smart, which then means in the end, the sin is that the joke wasn't that good. If that's how you see it, right? And within the confines of a comedy show, I am personally okay with that standard. That's me. Now, it ain't going to be the same standard if you, like, host a sports center or something like that. But if you're doing a comedy show, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's about the standard. Look, to me, the best routine that Dave Chappelle has ever done was on the For What Is Worth special for San Francisco on Showtime. I believe it was in 2004 that he did that special. And the bit that was the best one he ever did was How Old Really Is 15? Right. And it's this very intricate routine that talks about a 15 year old girl who had been kidnapped and then broke free and saved herself. And nobody seemed to really care. But everybody's acting like 15 years old is a child when R. Kelly decides that he wants to urinate on a girl. And Dave is saying in there, you're telling me at 15 years old that if she didn't want to get peed on, that she could not get peed on. That you are telling me that there's no way that she could have gotten out of the way. Like, that's part of the routine. Like, you can go look it up. That's part of the routine. Now, the way the routine is set up and comes around on the back end is absolutely brilliant. And it also comes, however, with the horribly uncomfortable idea of Dave Chappelle saying this 15-year-old girl should have been able to get out of the way from getting peed on by R. Kelly if, in fact, she did not want to get peed on. Now, the thing is, you listen to it in the construct of the routine, and it is actually, like, really, really smart and really mind-blowing and, like, borderline profound. It really is, right? Like, it legitimately is when you hear it. But with it comes that ridiculous idea. I mean, you kind of get that in comedy. That's, like, so for me, that's kind of how it works. If that's not what you do, that's cool. Like, I don't resentfully say to people, well, you just don't need to listen to comedy or you don't need. No, I don't do that. Right. Like, if that's not your speed, I don't blame you necessarily. I just think that there's a certain measure of counterproductivity that comes from complaining about being offended at that comedy show by this one bit. Now, the whole damn show, we're just like, yo, man, this dude was wilding out the whole time, right? Okay, now, like, I kind of get you there. But I wouldn't think that one bit would be something like the hammer. That being said, we're talking about a Dave Chappelle Netflix special that he got paid, like, $60 million for. So, yeah, people are going to talk about it. Like, that's the expectation. And that's the trade a dude like Dave made for the money, right? 
Like, you took the money that came from it, and if you want to do the routine, that's fine, but we about to thank peace you to death, bruh. Like, that, that's what the game's going to be because now this is, like, in a mainstream sort of setting. Like, I was talking about this yesterday, where I'm like, with Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence had that Saturday Night Live routine, right? You know why that routine was a problem? Because it was on Saturday Night Live. Like, if Martin Lawrence had done that routine in a comedy club, nobody's boycotting anything. The problem was he did it on NBC. Like, that's where the issue came up. They're like, oh, it's just a little bit too far for network television. Like, the setting does matter. Like, where you do this does matter. And I think if you're doing a comedy show, that's a setting where you said, by and large, we're going to let you go pretty far. You know, like, that's 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 the one. Like, that's what it's going to be. Uh, now, I did think also, uh, and I guess some of you haven't seen this routine, um, but there's a part about uh, he saved more than he raped. I won't tell you too much about it because I know a lot of you want to see it, but let's just say, uh, well, not necessarily connected to that, but at some point there is a Bill Cosby uh, routine, and it ra- people raised the question as to whether or not he was joking about rape, or they said that he was joking about rape. I did not think that he was joking about rape. I have heard a comedian do a rape joke. My first, uh, my first day, uh, first week of the semester, whatever. Anyway, um, this dude that came in was promoting comedy shows. So we do a comedy show every Tuesday, Wednesday night, whichever night it was. And the first comedy show we went to, he goes, the first act is a student at Clark Atlanta University. And of course we immediately, because you like, you want to absolutely guarantee you get booed. Say you a student at a student at our same school. We're going to boo you. Don't ask me why. That's just how we get down. So he booed him. He got up and he's the first thing he did was tell a rape joke. He's like, I rape. I don't even understand rape. Like, what is that? I'm just track you down. Give me the boop. Give me the boop. And we're like, yo, homie, you just told a joke like a straight on rape. Whoa, this is not uh, what's up. Dave told a joke that absolutely involved rape, but I did not think that it was making a joke of rape i did not think that right i think that it like the notion of it was certainly within the construct but i don't think at any point he was like yo rape isn't it hilarious the idea of taking sex from someone when they don't want to give it up no that's not what that was and i didn't think that that was the point of what was going there like there's a certain level of intellectual exercise that takes place with comedy and part of allowing comics to be good i do believe is giving them some measure of leeway um this is kind of like a narrow look at i guess what we call the amadeus theory right like the whole thing the idea that genius is to be coddled to some extent Um, when we ask people to be funny we give them a bit of rope right where the rope stops is when you feel like it's coming from a hateful place. And I don't think that's the case with Dave. That being said, it certainly is coming from a privileged place that allows the use of certain terms and the likes. It absolutely is. But I think the sin on a lot of these jokes that in that routine that offended people is that they really weren't that funny. Those parts were. I gleaned also for at least from that, uh, the first special, the one they shot in LA I felt like it'd been shot about a, it was shot about a year ago or something like that. And I saw Dave about a month ago and this post Trump Dave is a lot better than that Dave that was taped in that special. Like I can tell you that right now. 
I've, I, the Dave I saw in 2017. Look, I saw Dave in 2013. I want to say I saw Dave in 2015, and I've seen him in 2017. The Dave I saw in 2017 was worlds better than those other Daves. Worlds better. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Have you decided not to write about Chuck Berry? Yeah, I did decide not to write about Chuck Berry. Now, granted, I don't decide to write about very much these days, but I did decide not to write about Chuck Berry. The reason I decided not to write about Chuck Berry is I feel like there were so many people who were much more informed on him. Like, I got a bio of him on the Kindle that I've been meaning to read, but I haven't. Um, there are people who are much more informed on him than I am. And I have some observations, but I've learned my lesson about writing these kinds of things where I, where I didn't really know the, 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 I'm not the guy to write it. Like, I think I'm in a position to discuss Chuck Berry and talk about Chuck Berry, but sometimes you got to look at yourself and be honest and realize you're not the one that needs to write that. Sometimes you need to leave that to somebody else. And there are plenty of people who could write that one better than me. Like when Press died, like, yeah, I'm I'm here for that. Like I've been ready for that every day for probably the last 15 or 20 years. Like, you know, like that's one I can write. Um like Bowie's another one where I could do that. But at this point for me, I don't write anything really simply out of the sense of intellectual like obligation or anything like that. Like I got to be really like, I, I got to be in a certain place and feel it in a certain way to make the decision that I'm going to go ahead and write. And I think that Chuck Berry, like I think it's fascinating to think about like the singular importance of Chuck Berry and how many years of music are people basically doing in one form or another an impression of Chuck Berry. And that somehow in all of this, one of the parts that gets lost is that Chuck Berry, Bruce Springsteen said this, and I was glad to see it. Chuck Berry might be the greatest song, like rock and roll songwriter who ever lived. Like in terms of being a singer songwriter, you can let the fact that them beats has some get up, right? You can let that fool you, but you go look at them Chuck Berry songs, just pull up some Chuck Berry lyrics and you realize pretty quickly, like, wait a minute, this is like really next level songwriting, right? I mean, it is not just, it's so perfectly good. It's perfectly good in like a decidedly proper English, which is interesting because so much of the music of that time that people were trying to emulate bent the language in a way that Chuck did not. Like Chuck was mad proper with his when you think about it. Mad proper with his. And just an absolutely brilliant songwriter. Like you could talk about the guitar and the sound and everything else, but don't take away Chuck's legitimate intellectual property here, right? Like, don't take away Chuck's brilliance as a thinker. You know what I mean? Because I think that's real easy to do because I think a lot of times we think about, like, the way a lot of this look at the evolution of quote-unquote rock and roll in America is, I do think the way a lot of people look at it is, it's like black people gave it this sound and then white people put their highly functioning brains on it and then look what happened, except who has consistently written better songs than Chuck Berry? Songs with a lot of big words in them, too. Like I'm telling you, man, Chuck, like, Chuck was that dude. Chuck also, um, I feel like it's a couple of days, um, you know, since he died, so we can go ahead and talk about this. They also caught Chuck that time with that camera in the women's bathroom. 
we wound up in a tricky situation there, guys. And it does like kind of tie back to that Chappelle routine, which is, is a camera in the bathroom enough to make me stop speaking in a reverential tone about Chuck Berry? And the answer is no. I'm not out here outweighing good and bad or nothing else. I'm just telling you about the reality. Yes, Chuck Berry had, I mean, that's like really messed up, right? There's no way around that. There's no soft pedal in it. That's really, really, really messed up. But I'm real enough with you to be like, yeah, but he ever heard no particular place to go? Run, Rudolph, run. It's a really, really good Christmas song. It's a really, really, really good Christmas song. This is who we are, man. Look, one thing we got to acknowledge about these famous people. We all let somebody slide, right? Right or wrong, we all let somebody slide. There's so many high-minded things out here letting Miles Davis slide every day. James Brown used to beat his wife savagely. Nobody complains when you talk about how dope James Brown is. Why? everybody's letting somebody slide on some level, right? Brian said Bill Withers in the paint. Bill Withers in the paint. You know what I wonder, though? Like, what year did that Bill Withers uh, documentary come out? That's still Bill documentary. Because I've wondered this for a while, and I'm a big Bill Withers fan, but I've made note of the fact. So basically, for those of you who don't know, um, Bill Withers was married to it's a 2000 documentary came out in 2009 bill Withers was married to denise nicholas they were married for one year they got divorced it has been long whispered that bill withers beat the hell out of her while they were married and like neighbors talking about hearing her scream and everything else neither of them has ever really talked about it bill however did put out the breakup album called adjustments that might be the best breakup album that anybody has ever made just in case you're curious anyway Bill Withers did this documentary called Still Bill in 2009. He's very much so involved in the documentary. It's like the Denise Nicholas thing never happened. They just skipped completely over it like it never happened. If they put that thing out in 2014, could they get away with that? You know what I mean? And all the big Bill Withers fans, they know about that. Ain't no mystery there. They know about that, right? everybody's got somebody they letting slide, you know? Now, the thing to me is I feel like you could let the, like letting the person slide is one thing, but you ain't got to lie about it, right? Like, you ain't got to lie. Yeah, Chuck Berry's out here filming women in the bathroom. Yo, that's messed up. Chuck Berry is also absolutely the bedrock of rock and roll and the songs are dope, right? I think it's possible to say both things at once. I do, right? I think people struggle to acknowledge the good things that quote unquote bad people have done. However, acknowledging that they have done good things doesn't make them any better people. They just done good things. Like that's how it works. Like the, the composite that you got to put together to say whether somebody's a good or bad person ain't never going to be about, I mean, very rarely. I mean, there are some one things that you can do that can just get you out to paint completely. Like let, let, let's be clear about that. But by and large, it's going to be a combination of a lot. And a lot of that perception that we have is entirely about who, whoever the person is on the other side, entirely about how that person makes you feel or whatever their contribution is about how that makes you feel. Because that's the most unwieldy variable of all is how somebody or something makes you feel. And that made people do all kinds of ridiculous things. 
appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Now, my man Johnny here, by the way, he says, look at Martin Luther King, who was cheating on his wife all the time. But again, it really is about their contribution. Yeah, but like, let's not put cheating on your wife in the same category as putting the camera in the women's bathroom. You know what I mean? Like, I, I do kind of look at that one as uh, my name's Paul and that's between y'all. I don't really know what kind of arrangement they had. And people got all kinds of arrangements. It ain't my place to judge a single one of them. I don't know what their arrangement was at that time about that situation. Now, if you told me that Martin Luther King was beating Coretta, now we talk about something different. Cheating on her, yeah, kind of none of my business. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. How in the world did Drake get Sade to take a picture with him? Um, I don't really know how Drake got Sade to take a picture with him. I will tell you that I saw that Sade took a picture with another gentleman that same day. And you can go look that up. And I think that might answer everything you need to know, right? Some people, you ain't a whole lot of saying no to, not even if Sade. Um, you know, you command that kind of respect. That's what it is. Now, um, I saw something today that indicated that um, Drake got a shot A tattoo. Did you see that? Drake got a shot A tattoo. And wait, 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 Hey, 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 uh, what's going on, man? That, and look, man, he's the number one rapper in the game now. Y'all realize that, right? Like that, these are the children y'all raised. These are the children y'all raised. I just don't see how this happens. And look, here's the thing. I don't know anybody who doesn't rock with Sade. Like, I don't even... Oh, it's on his torso, not his thigh. Okay, it's on his torso, not his thigh. Okay, my apologies. But you got to understand something, man. Everybody rock with Sade. I don't think anybody believes that you're allowed to say a single bad word about Sade. Think about that. Have you ever heard anybody be like, nah, man, I don't rock with Sade? And it ain't like Sade out here selling no 20 million records or nothing like that, right? But I've never heard anybody ever want to say they didn't rock with Sade. Why? Because liking Sade is really, really cool. Like, there's an element, like, if you say you listen to Sade, it make you seem smooth. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Al Jarreau is a bit more niche in that I say I like this and you're going to think I'm smooth place. But Sade, like, everybody knows that you say Sade, and they like, oh, okay, you on some smooth shit right now. Because that's what Sade's music was. Right? That's how it goes. So, of course, Drake going to be out here talking about how much he loves Sade. Of course. That's absolutely like the drakiest thing that he would do. And he got a tattoo of Sade. Like, I generally don't understand this tattoo thing. We've talked about this before. It's just not something I can relate to. Number one rapper in the game, guys. Number one rapper in the game. The number one rapper in the game. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else you got here. Do you really think they're going to let OJ up out them gates this year? 
So OJ's up for parole this year. I thought OJ was up for parole next year. Either way it goes. Um, I mean, come on, man. They absolutely should let OJ out on parole. And the reason they absolutely should let OJ out on parole is because OJ has done how many years so far? Right? I mean, that is not a crime that is in line with all the years that OJ has done so far, let alone all the years to which OJ is sentenced. I imagine OJ been in the bang on his best behavior. I wonder what good ass job OJ uh, talked him. I, I sort of written down somewhere. Whatever good ass job OJ talked himself into, um, in the bang, right? But nah, man, they should let OJ out. They should. People just mad. They still mad. They still mad. They still mad. And I mean, I I I do like understand that you know, OJ distinct possibility OJ killed a couple of people and people aren't really so inclined to just, you know, let that slide. They're not, they're not, at least not in this case. There are other people who kill folks and they let it slide. OJ wasn't going to be the one to get away with it, but it's about time to let OJ out the bank. It really, really is. It's about time to let OJ out the bank. I don't think, by the way, one of the best parts of the OJ uh, 30 for 30, uh, the Academy Award winner OJ 30 for 30 that I don't think gets nearly enough credit is OJ as he's being sentenced, explaining how he has been coming to Nevada since 1959. He's going to work for his uncles and OJ just being totally confused at the idea that you could go to jail for this. Like this the whole way, just a look on his face. Like what, what I like, you're about to put me in jail for this. Like this, 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 this doesn't seem to make any sense. I am going to go to jail for stealing my own stuff. How long you think it was after they slammed that door shut that OJ finally made peace with the idea that he was still, that he went to jail for stealing his own stuff. I imagine that would hurt. Appreciate the question. See what else we got here. Why would you take Secretary of State just because your wife told you to? Yes, yeah, so Rex Tillerson apparently did not want to be the Secretary of State. He said he wound up on a phone call with Trump. They just talking about a little this, little that. And the next thing you know, Trump offers him the job as Secretary of State. And my man tells his wife, and his wife says, I told you God wasn't through with you. And he's got to be like, through with me in what way? Like, that doesn't seem like a job that you need to be out here trying to do unless you really, really wanted it. Like, that just doesn't seem like, yeah, I wasn't really doing anything else, so I thought I'd get this job. Like, this isn't like being the interim athletic director. Like, th- this is a real-life job with all this travel because that's how my man went over somewhere. It's like, yo, man, I had to come back. I was fatigued. He ain't long for this one. Like, how long is it before he quits? If he already acknowledges he didn't want to do this job and he doesn't feel like dealing with reporters. Now, granted, the not dealing with reporters thing, uh, you know, with Trump, that kind of, you know, that's how they all seem to get down. But nah, 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 man. Nah, man, he done. He's done. I mean, it's just a matter of time before he's like, why do I still work here? Like, I'm not enjoying this. Why am I here? Or my personal favorite, uh, I'm a little bit too old for this shit. Now, that's what I think it probably comes down to. I'm just a little bit too old for this. Good luck with that. It's been a wild week over there, boy. Like, I don't even know what to say. I, I'm actually, like, I know it's been a wild week, 
in Trump world because ain't nobody in here like actually asking me questions about Trump. I don't think you guys have any idea where to begin. And guess what? I don't have any idea really where to begin with giving you answers. I just saw something on television that indicated that the Federal Bureau of Investigation is investigating, as that's what they do, for they're a federal bureau who investigates. They are investigating the president of the United States and his crew, his homies, for perhaps colluding with the Russians. Now, I would like to say one thing about the Russians. And it's not about, it's about the idea of the Russians. It's about the notion of the Russians, because we've gone very far with the idea and the notion of the Russians. And what I'll say about the Russians is I see everywhere this idea of the Russians being written as the enemy. And I got to be honest, I, I mean, I know it ain't all hunky dory, but I hadn't really thought about the Russians as the quote unquote enemy since like 1991. And we, we have gotten a bit dramatic um, with our tone about the Russians. Um, like we're, we're, we're like, yeah, they're, they're enemies again. We're like, Oh, okay. Damn. How many enemies we got? Like if, if the Russians have popped up, like I say, I know they do some things. We don't kick it. We don't rock with, but that don't necessarily mean enemy. Like if I looked up one day and they, the Russians and nobody, I mean, they, the enemy and nobody told me what are the enemies we just got lurking under the shadows. Like is Canada quietly an enemy and we don't know it. It's just going to be like a heel turn at a wrestling match. How are we with Costa Rica? I went there to visit once, and I liked it a lot. I mean, we're still good with Costa Rica. I hope we're, uh, please tell me we're still good with Costa Rica. Like, Trump tried to set something off of Costa Rica, man. We got a big old problem. Real, real, real big problem. But, yeah, it's a lot going on there. It's a lot going on. Like, I don't know if you got the Apple News app. I got the Apple News app. Any of y'all got the Apple News app or use it, rather? Look, man, you go into Apple News in the morning, there is no telling what's going to be there. Like, I need to turn these alerts off. These alerts be having me like, damn, really? I'm in the middle of doing something. It just looked down to be something ridiculous. Like, yo, man, like, this is too much. This is absolutely too much. I mean, what are we, what are we, two months into this now? It's two months into this. How many days have we had without, like, some legitimate piece of, what just happened here news i mean really go and think about that how many days out of the all right so that's going to be 31 plus 28 plus about 30 yeah so we're over uh no 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 i got that wrong 31 plus like 28 yeah so we got about 60 days here right I mean, it's been like at least 56 with some legitimate news, right? And again, like head-slapping news. It's got to be about 56. I don't want that. I don't, I don't really want that to be life. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. Like, that's going to take years off our lives. Like, just the consideration of all of this. And I told you this before, I'll say it again. I think in the end, there's going to be a wildly ironic situation where basically Donald Trump's presence makes media such a profitable thing because there's such an insatiable demand for content involving this administration that basically he's going to like, like fill the coffers of places like the Washington Post that will ultimately do a Pulitzer Prize investigation on him that will probably make his life very hard. It reminds me of a guy I went to graduate school once who told me he did a paper in college about uh search and seizure and that 
basically he's out of L.A. They did enough searching and seizing to build a jail. So basically they were taking these cats stuff and using it to build it. And they built it and they built a jail. Like they taking your stuff and building the jail to throw you in. There's a good chance that might happen here also. And that would be crazy. And that's the thing about like antagonizing media. And somebody said, that's a reach. What's the reach? Let me tell you something, man. The thing about investigative journalism is it costs money. Like as the budgets have dwindled for these media outlets, the investigative arms of these places have really, really, really gotten weak because they just don't have the money. Trump is cash money. Like as much as people got mad and understandably about like the idea of running his rallies and stuff like that during the campaign, the dude is cash money for media, right? Like you can't, whether you want to or not, you can't take your eyes off him. So everybody's going to make this money, but they're going to pump a lot of this money into investigation. Life funny sometimes, man. Appreciate the question. Let me see what we got here. If 50 ran a sprint, Rick Ross ran a marathon, who ultimately won the race? But I mean, I guess the question is where, like, where's the race to? Right? Because Rick Ross has certainly had a career that had a greater longevity than 50 cents did. There, there, there's no question about that. Um, in terms of the depth of their music, um, you know, the, the depth of the catalog and quality of music, that's Rick Ross without question. But Rick Ross ain't got no um, get rich or die trying. He just does it. Right, like, like get rich or die tried is all time great. I've heard people try to be like, yeah, you go back and listen to get rich or die tried. It doesn't really hold up. I, I don't, I don't think I agree with you on that. I, I, I don't, I just don't believe that. Like, Fifty's got a smoker that will be one that we remember forever. There is no Rick Ross album that people think of like that. Now, also, I don't know if it's possible for an album. Look, Rick Ross hit the scene in what two thousand six. So even with Rick Ross hitting the scene in 2006, I don't think it was really possible for an album to blow up in 2006 the way they get Richard Die Trying did in 2003. I don't think it's possible. Like somebody talking about Teflon Don, nah, dog, it ain't no, ain't it ain't no get Richard Die Trying. Even if you like it more, it certainly isn't the phenomenon or get rich like they get Richard Die Trying was. It's not. There's no way to explain it. So yeah, 50 ran the sprint. Ross is around the marathon. Who ultimately won the race? It all depends on what race we're talking about. Because the thing is, 50 Cent is going to be able to find his way into our attention for the rest of his life because he was such a big star at one point that even if what he's doing isn't necessarily relevant, he's always going to pop up because he's just that famous. Rick Ross is not because in the end, Rick Ross has really only given us one thing, one thing, a bunch of really good music. That's it. We let him slide for the whole correction officer thing. Yeah, we did that. We let him like basically be a method actor. We did that. And we only did that because Rick Ross has really, really, really good music. That's it. He's a good rapper. Very good rapper with an incredible ear for beats. An incredible ear for beats. And he has kept this thing going for over a decade, which still remains an incredible feat. It still remains an incredible feat. 
in spite of the fact that we all hate what he stands for. Like, pretty roundly, we hate what Rick Ross stands for. Appreciate the question. Let me see what we got here. Can we finally admit that, quote, unquote, the South is anywhere except within certain metropolitan areas whenever these racist incidents popped up? I grew up in New York City, and I called upstate New York the South. I got a question for you. What are these metropolitan areas that somehow you think are spared? Like I always talk, you know, I joke on Twitter about that. Hey, that's not the South. Anytime you get one of these wildly racist incidents in some place, that's not the South. People seem to be under the mistaken impression that these things only happen in the South. However, um, you say that like there aren't racist incidents in New York City. Like somebody just drove up from Baltimore to New York City to kill black people. I guess Baltimore would be on your list of these metropolitan areas. But these metropolitan areas without the racism don't exist. Like, let me guess. You probably think Los Angeles, huh? <laughs> Los Angeles is staggeringly racist. What else? What else? Like, what do you think? Philadelphia isn't racist. Is that what you think? Do you think, like, where, where do you think? Do you think New York isn't racist? You already said that. That's comedy. What do you think? D.C. isn't racist? Or is it because it's below the line? Right. You think San Francisco, where, what, Chicago, where are these places that you think are racist? Once again, everybody try to find some way. Like the whole point of me doing, hey, that's Trevor doesn't get this, right? The whole point of me doing, hey, that's not the South, is to get people to understand that you got to stop acting like, hey, they're the real racists over there when in reality racism is everywhere. But somehow you took that and still found yourself a caveat to excuse the little corner of the world that you live in. Because even as you try to say it's all like the South, you still try to excuse yourself from the discussion. Because one of the hardest things in the world for white people to do when it comes to racism is to acknowledge it's kind of close to home. It's not all just somewhere where you can push it off. A lot of it is close to home, right? And everybody wants to act like it ain't their house. It's everybody's house, baby. It's all over the place, even New York City. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. If you could give younger Bomani your car or your home, what would you give him? Oh, yeah, the car ain't that important. Give him the house. Like, I still got my house in Durham. I could give him, but I had that when I was 24. So, like, younger Bomani had the house. That's back when they was being a little bit too loose with who they gave loans to. But yeah, younger Bomani had had uh, now the place I live in now in Miami. Now nah, I don't think it would be a good idea to give that to younger Bomani. If for no other reason, then it's a little bit too big. I'd have to like move some homeboys in here, and then that will wind up being a problem. The car I wouldn't be able to afford the gas or the insurance. You know what I'm saying? Like that would have been the setup. I wouldn't be able to afford either one of them. But yeah, nah, like the car. Like I feel like you need to. You need to you need to spend some time driving some cars that aren't that nice, right? You need to work your way up the car ladder for you to truly appreciate what it is you got going on. Because if you start young, too high up on the car ladder, you got a problem because you will never be able to step down on cars. You never will be able to. That's a hard life to live. Like, I messed up with this car I got because I don't know what I'll ever do again without this engine. That thing is orgasmic, man. It make noises. Well, I'm like, man, I ain't even know you could do that with machinery. Appreciate the question. Let's get to the last one. Will current-day liberals also skewer their own version of Tommy Lahr 
if she's if that person said uh, they weren't pro-choice, probably. Right. Like that's I mean, that's kind of a bedrock issue now. Right. Versus left. Like if there's any issue that you could definitely say, if you're on one side or the other, this is where you've got to be. It would be on the issue of the woman's right to choose. I still say, though, y'all are falling for the okie doke on Tommy Lauren with this because the reason that she got it, like the reason she got suspended ain't really got nothing to do with the fact that people were mad at her about being pro-choice. Her being pro-choice has been no mystery. Glenn Beck was just like, oh, ho, ho, you too hot. That's all that came down to. You too hot. Like, yo, he's the name on the marquee, and she's getting big, big, big. Right? And he clearly wasn't having that. I mean, he was explicitly said that, where he's like, yo, it can't all be me, 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 and everything else. Yo, man, they, I mean, he decided it was time to take her down a pick. I mean, I think that's the more interesting story than anything else is that all this you talk about, man, she got a little too big for her britches as far as the boss man was concerned, and he went and publicly chopped her down. Publicly chopped her down and publicly chopped her down in a way to where he wanted to make sure everybody knew that he was chopping her down. And I understand most people ain't got no sympathy for her, and I don't blame you necessarily if you don't have any sympathy for her, and I'm not even speaking from a place of sympathy. But I am saying, though, don't get it twisted and think that her saying pro, she was pro-choice is what took this down. No, no, no. The game that she's playing, yeah, choice matters, but that's not the issue that she's selling. She's selling on race. Like, that's her thing. And so the people that are mad at her for not for being pro-choice, I think they stick around for the race stuff because the race stuff is really what they're coming to her for. That's what they're there for. Glenn Beck was just like, yeah, whatever. He, what did he say? That she was not intellectually consistent. He said that she was selfish. They just decided to chop her down. That was it. The game is cold, cold, cold. Appreciate the question. I got anything else I feel like answering? Nah, I'm good. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on the Evening Jones. We try to do this thing here once a week. My man Lance Gilliam handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you. Remember, if you ever miss anything live, subscribe to the Evening Jones podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe at Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. Also, subscribe at Google Play. Talk to you guys later.